0: Welcome back to the Dr. Body, Mind, Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. Mary Biles is author of the CBD book, The Essential Guide to CBD Oil, and regular contributing writer for nonprofit Project CBD and host of the podcast Cannabis Voices. She is a trusted voice in the cannabis industry, both in Europe and around the globe, and an advocate for greater access to medical cannabis, psychedelics, and plant medicine in general. Welcome, Mary.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, Exciting. thank you. For
0: coming. Thank you for coming onto the podcast because what I what I really love about your work is your focus on the emerging evidence that is being published in the field and using this to educate not only the public but healthcare professionals in particular so we can all be aware of its uses and how we should and could be using it for our patients because mm. there's certainly a knowledge gap
1: yeah there's a massive, massive knowledge gap um, also because it's quite it's quite complicated. you know we're talking about a plant, you know it's not like a single molecule that we know it works in a certain way, targeting a certain receptor. You've got like hundreds of compounds in a plant that are all targeting different receptors. Um, hopefully all working in synergy, but sometimes not, you know, and it doesn't fit within the pharmaceutical paradigm um, w- with which, you know, doctors are used to operating, um, you know, and there's randomized clinical trials and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's I understand why there is a knowledge gap. And also you have to remember for like, I don't know, 60 or 70 years, doctors have just been told this is um, cannabis is a drug of abuse. So to suddenly have to you know, turn full circle and start prescribing it to patients, you know, where, when, you know, it's a big ask, it's a big ask. So I, you know, I, I understand the predicaments, but there's, you know, there's stuff we can do working together, I think, and with a little bit of an open mind.
0: Agreed. And, you know, it was, it was shocking to me when I was sort of, was coming across your work as to what a knowledge gap, you know, I had in, in its, in its approach and I suddenly realized I actually don't know anything about how the endocannabinoid system actually works as you say it's a complex group of compounds that are working on multiple receptors and multiple organs and systems in the body can you Mm. simply outline just as a basics, like how this system operates and how it affects as many systems as it does
1: Okay. So the, um, so you're sort of referring to the endocannabinoid system. So like sometimes when you hear people talking about cannabis, it's like, they're saying, oh, it you know, it's helped with my chronic pain. Oh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's helped me with nausea, you know, during chemotherapy. Oh, it's reduced uh, seizures. Oh, so other people report that, you know, it's had antitumoral effects and it, it can seem to be, hang on a sec, you know, how can, this plant uh, have so many different effects on the body and help with so many seemingly unrelated conditions. And I think that's why for the medical profession, again, because this doesn't kind of fit within the, you know, the pharmaceutical paradigm, it's like, well, this has got to be a bit woo woo or, you know, it's, 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 it, it, there isn't, it, this doesn't stack up basically. So the big kind of the missing um, piece in all this is um, the endocannabinoid system, uh, back in the kind of end of the 80s uh, beginning of the 90s um some very clever researchers in Israel were researching or trying to understand um the the effects of THC so THC is one of the the compounds in 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 the cannabis plant which is most known possibly for having the kind of intoxicating effects. so when people smoke a joint and they feel a bit stoned it's because of the thc basically um so the researchers were like okay so how what's the kind of biological mechanisms of action for for these effects that thc have and what they found is we have uh, a, a network of receptors in our brains and the central nervous system um, which are a class of endocannabinoid receptors, and we have another class of of receptors which are um, throughout the body, but primarily in the in the immune system. Um, and THC basically binds with these receptors, um, so particularly for the ones that are in the central nervous system in the brain, that's why we have you know the kind of the intoxicating effect essentially. So then this kind of led the question: Okay, so. These receptors aren't just sitting in, you know, in our bodies waiting for us to smoke a joint. There must be something else going on. So, um, further research um, uh, revealed that actually we produce our own cannabis like compounds, which are kind of similar to neurotransmitters, which also bind, you know, they bind with these receptors. Um, And then there's also kind of, you know, um, uh, enzymes that break them down in the body. And um, one of them is called anandamide. So for all our kind of uh, spiritual people, listening, they'll be familiar with the word ananda, the Sanskrit, Sanskrit word ananda, which is um, the word for bliss. Um, so it was named with this endocannabinoid, endo meaning within, and cannabinoid being the, the, the compounds found in the cannabis plant. So they, they named this particular um, compound that we produce in our body and because it is, you know, partly responsible for the kind of the the the, the feelings of bliss that, that sometimes we experience with cannabis. And also, you know, and this this compound also binds with with uh, these receptors. Um, so then the question was asked, well, what's the point of this system? You know, what's it doing? Um, and what, um, the conclusion that was reached was that it's what they called a homeostatic regulator. So that means that it's basically acting like a dimmer switch for all the other systems in the body. So it's just keeping everything in balance. So we're not talking in a kind of like, you know, uh, keeping your chakras in balance, you know, I mean, I believe in chakras, I'm a you know, big pro- proponent of like, you know, energetic medicine, etc. but this is a physiological system in the body that actually exists. You know, it's not some kind of woo-woo. It's just, um, we don't know about it because it only kind of came to light in the 90s. So it's actually a really, really exciting uh, field of medicine, if only it was taken seriously. You know, for doctors, if you, you know, if you had a patient coming in with that kind of cluster of you know, fibromyalgia, migraines, probably anxiety as well. And you can't get to the bottom of it. You know, you're just throwing medicines at it. You know, if you're just like, oh, well, maybe, you know, there could be an endocannabinoid deficiency. And what can you do when there's an endocannabinoid deficiency? Well, you can support the endocannabinoid system with the cannabis plants or the hemp plants and and compounds found within the cannabis plants. So we're talking here, you know, you're kind of your um your cbd oils which um i think we might talk about later um also you know for example patients with conditions like fibromyalgia actually you know sometimes they've ended up self-medicating or or perhaps they're recreational users and actually then they find that actually the cannabis is helping with their pain and their sleep and all the other the conditions and then perhaps they end up going down the prescription route and, and so they can actually take a legal avenue so um, so it's actually really, really, really interesting. And it kind of explains when you, when you think about, you know, these receptors are everywhere in the body, they're on our organs they you know, it, it's literally everywhere. And, um, and I say it is kind of, you know, the system is helping to control and regulate everything else. It makes sense then why, you know, cannabis can be so helpful for such a seemingly unrelated collection of, of conditions.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's what's really like coming to mind about the endocannabinoid system is just how it is so in keeping with the psychoneuroimmunology field that has also been increasingly um, explored in the last few decades, and this idea that there are this group and probably multiple groups of. Chemicals, neurotransmitters, chemicals, um, hormones—however we want to call them—that are working to connect the body, mind, and self. And I'm saying self is to represent. I think the immune, the immune system. So, really, sort of working to pull our body, mind, and soul really in line. And yeah. this is one. This seems, this seems to be one group of, 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 of chemicals that work in this way
1: yeah it's really interesting i i love what you say about that as well and i think you can even kind of you know bring in the the you know the kind of the gut brain access as well it's you know it's um yeah i mean it's 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 super interesting and i think something you know just sort of um touching back again on 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 the bliss element to it um, you know, what they found is, um, you know, it not doesn't just have to be cannabis that helps to, to you know, sort of top up or support the endocannabinoid system. Um, when we go to the gym or if you're on the treadmill, um, we associate that, that high feeling, the runner's high with endorphins. But actually what they found it, but yes, it's endorphins, but also it's anandamide. It's your, it's your naturally your, the, the cannabis that your body is producing naturally. And what they found actually, um, well, I've, i I've read that, that um, the anandamide crosses the blood brain barrier more than actually endorphins do. And there was, there was a super interesting um, study that was um, had a, it, a, the, the participants were um, a group of women, sort of middle-aged women who were in a choir. And they're measuring in, you know, sort of the best way they can. Um, I think it was just anandamide um, for different activities. So I think they, you know, they might have done a zumba class. Uh, they they sang with their choir teacher. I think they uh, maybe I don't know run the kind of um, a sort of bike that you have in a gym. Um, and for them, you know, um, it was actually the singing that caused a massive spike in their anandamide. So for me, it's like it's another reason to follow your joy, basically follow your bliss. So I know I I love ecstatic dance and I can guarantee if they, you know, someone did a lumbar puncture, which doesn't sound very fun to be fair after ecstatic dance, but I'm pretty sure that my, uh, my anandamide would be, would be through the roof. And what's interesting, all the things that deplete it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's stress, obviously, um, it's poor diet. It's, uh, not enough sleep. It's, um uh, too much alcohol. So all the things that we know aren't good for us also deplete our endocannabinoid system.
0: This is so, so interesting to to explore as a concept because as you're saying, so following your bliss, following your joy is increasing the amount of anandamide in your Mm -hmm. body. And in doing that, your body becomes more imbalanced. And so following your bliss actually balances your yeah. body and mind and soul. So mm-hmm. real like bliss is really the key to ba- to balance.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think sometimes we can think that we can be overindulgent if we're following our bliss and that this is maybe not good, going to be good for us. Mm. But in fact, what I'm really hearing you say um, is that actually if we follow our natural bliss, we will be we will be more balanced
1: people. Yeah. I think it also, you know, if you, a, a common sort of manifestation of of, you know, an, an endocannabinoid imbalance or deficiency could be chronic pain. And then if you're in, you know, if you're in pain, yeah, going down to the gym, it's not an attractive proposition. But if you get a little kind of cuz one of the things that anandamide does, you know, when we're when we, you know, running and and I think it's part of our kind of evolutionary process, it was, you know, to kind of help us run and have stamina but we you know we feel good but actually it's anti-inflammatory as well so it's going to be also reducing pain and it, you know it, so it's it's part of that evolutionary process that we're out there hunting and gathering and and running you know for a few miles and whatever so it's but if you're if you're in chronic pain, you know, maybe actually you don't need to go to the gym to get that little shoot of of the good stuff. Maybe you know it's 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 yeah, it's sort of singing with your choir or, or whatever whatever it is. You know that touches your touches your heart and just you know kind of and it's that sort of that lovely feedback, isn't it? You're feeling happy. You're producing kind of chemicals that are actually going to make you feel better. Have an anti-inflammatory effect anyway. So um, there are also other pathways through which it has a you know a kind of anti-inflammatory effect as well. So so a lot of patients, you know. Start off trying CBD. They might, you know, I think the most common reasons to take it are for anxiety. Um uh, for pain, for sleep. Um, I know there's a kind of big movement at the moment and you know, everyone's, you know, thankfully talking about, um, managing, um, perimenopause and, men- and menopause, uh, symptoms. So, you know, I know for example, um, Meg Matthews, who, um, you know, basically is kind of one, one of the first Queens of the menopause. Uh, she had found uh, CBD so helpful during that, that phase that she's, you know, launched her own brand. And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a good kind of gateway. Uh, and for some people, that's enough. You know, some people that's enough. I find from from speaking to patients, so for example, with neuropathic pain, um, more serious ongoing chronic pain, that, that CBD isn't enough, actually, um, and they tend to need... A little bit of thc or a lot of thc you know it, it depends it depends on 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 their levels of pain um and then that kind of puts you in the territory of uh well thankfully now there is a legal route to access um you can get a prescription in the uk it's not condition dependent um but unfortunately it's pretty much entirely through the private sector um there's only been three um since 2018 when the law change came about there's only been three prescriptions through the nhs um and that's just been for three cases of children with um with very severe cases of, of epilepsy I, that's another thing with cbd actually uh, it's kind of bonkers but you know essentially this whole movement of cbd was was largely down to one little girl actually called charlotte figgy um in, in Colorado, and she had um, a devastating rare type of epilepsy called Dravet syndrome, um, which is, you know, in most cases, not controlled by anti-seizure meds. And so she was having hundreds of seizures a week. And, you know, as you as you'll know, when seizure activity isn't controlled, then there's brain damage. And, you know, the kind of um, yeah, they're the most children, they may have had a few little words when they, before they started getting seizures, but then they, you know, they lose their language. They lose their ability to dress themselves and they just, you know, their development goes backwards basically. And at some point, you know, unfortunately there probably will be one catastrophic seizure and their short life will be ended. So with this little girl, um, uh, she found, uh, and this is before the whole CBD boom, I say largely it's down to her, that, um, Fun enough, it was a CB a, a cannabis strain called I think it was Hippie's Disappointment because because it was CBD you couldn't get high with it. So this was you know it's being sold in a dispensary in in Colorado and no one really was really wanted to try it. And there'd been a little bit of research that happened in in Israel showing that it could reduce seizures and they, and it just like that all the stars aligned that this doctor who'd just read the paper was approached by the mother of this child. They found the dispensary that had a CBD strain. And they started giving it to Charlotte and her seizures stopped almost overnight. Basically. I still, all these things still make me feel really emotional because it's like, you know, I know a lot of parents of children with intractable epilepsy and they live a half-life, you know, it's the most horrific thing ever when you, you're just constantly Thinking your child is going to have a seizure and die basically when they're not controlled the seizures. Um, so this started the whole movement, um, and there's been a whole, you know, other children, the two children that changed the law really uh, in the UK were responsible for it. Again, these are children with intractable epilepsy, and um, and this is the, you know, the sad situation at the moment in the UK is that um, I, th- I think there's maybe like 200 families um, whose children are um they have prescriptions but they have to go privately they're they're you know they the nhs won't fund their prescriptions they are actually sent saving the nhs thousands and thousands a year because they're not being rushed into A&E. I know you're an A&E doctor. Um, it's, you know, these children uh, before that were being, you know, rushed in every week, spending a lot of time in hospital. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, they're, you know, they're, their cognitive development is improving, you know, they're starting to develop little personalities, you know, and it's, and yet... Um, from the from you know kind of nhs point of view there's not enough evidence for it to be funded by the nhs and so these these parents are having to self-fund and remortgage their houses you know do crowdfunding campaigns um you know live from month to month um you know worried about whether they can actually afford to keep to give their child their life-saving medicine so that's you know a situation that i really really hope changes but at the moment it's it's not on the you know, on the on the government's kind of list of priorities, really.
0: Gosh that that seems um that seems really sad, and also I'm just like I'm also seeking a bit more clarity here. Mm. You mentioned a few things. One is, you know, we've got we're we're talking about sort of CBD that you can find in Holland and Barrett and Boots, as you mentioned, to help with sort of mild anxiety and a bit of and maybe a little bit of pain. But mm. it sounds like there is a difference between that and prescription level medical cannabis and then there seems to be issues around access on the yeah. nhs to those um prescriptions so if we rewind just a little bit can you yeah. explain Good the um really where um cbd and medical cannabis lies
1: yeah it's really hard i mean I, i'm not like you know there are some decent cbd products and i should point out that Although it's sort of slightly less of the case now, which I, I won't kind of go into the boring details, but um originally what these products were, the kind of thing that this child Charlotte Figgy was taking, and then all the products that, you know, sort of started this whole um kind of craze in the way in the uk were actually full spectrum hemp extracts um that were abundant in cbd so they were as near as you can get to the natural um sort of uh, mix of molecules from the hemp plant um and you, you know trying to kind of mess around with it the least amount possible um but it was kind of the CBD part that got the headlines, so that's what kind of media latched onto is like hemp hemp extract abundant and CBD is not very sexy. CBD oil sounds great, <laughs> um, so um, yeah. So that's kind of what what was getting the really great effects due to kind of reg- regulatory stuff that's happened in the meantime. Essentially, now most of the products are uh, um, a purified CBD, which can be helpful in some cases. Um, I'm not such a fan of it, but you know that I'm just a bit old school, I think. So, but you know, still, you know, if you're buying your CBD products, you don't need a prescription. You should always look for, um, that it comes with a certificate of analysis. The big difference for me with, um, if you've got a, you know, a a health condition Mm -hmm. and potentially, well, you're taking other prescription medication probably you've, you've tried lots of things, you know, your doctors, you know, prescribed you various, let's say with chronic pain, you've been on, you know, you've worked your way up from codeine to tramadol, then you're on your kind of your gabapentin and, um, and all sorts of things like that. And, you know, maybe they've got you on the sort of antidepressants now, because now you're not supposed to be on opiates anymore. And, but, but basically nothing's working still. And you've tried everything. Um, But you're probably still on all those drugs still because they tend to keep you on them anyway, because they seem to like polypharmacy for some bizarre reason. But anyway, there you go. So, um, you know, it's really, really important that if you're going to explore medicinal cannabis, that ideally you should be under the care of a doctor, right? So, um, and they can, you know, look at your case, you know. So, for example, the situation that we have at the moment, there is a growing number of private um, medical cannabis clinics. At the moment, um, GPs cannot prescribe medical cannabis, be it through the NHS, we know that's not an option anyway, or privately. Um, It has to be a doctor on the specialist register. So it's going to be a consultant, basically. So what you have um, at these private clinics, you have pain consultants, you have psychiatrists, um, maybe some neurologists, um if you're lucky, I think there's maybe one pediatrician or pediatric neurologist, you're kind of, you know, there's that's a bit of a closed shop and they're really against cannabis. But there is, I think there's one pediatrician who is prescribing for these children with with epilepsy. Um so yeah, so you go to the private clinic and you're under the you under the care of a of a specialist, um, and they will, you know, look at your case. Before they can kind of, um, you know, say, yes, we can prescribe you, you have to have shown that you've tried. I think it's three other standard treatments. They then have to take it to their multidisciplinary team meeting where you're kind of it's decided whether you are a suitable candidate or not. And then hopefully, you know, at that point, you can actually start getting your prescription. Um, there is a point as well, once the you know, GPs can, can prescribe shared care, but it's always going to be essentially um, a private GP. So if you are a patient listening to this and you're like, OK, well, what does that mean to me? You can self-refer. You can self-refer to one of these clinics or you can get your GP to refer you to one of these clinics. And then you go through this whole process. You have your initial consultation and, and, um, and all the rest of it. And then what you're prescribed really depends on your condition. If you are what they call cannabis naive, um, they're not going to sort of whack you on like high THC strain, first of all, because, you know, it's, it's, it does have quite strong psychoactive effects. And and actually, you know, most people when they're wanting to, you know, medicate or manage their, their symptoms, they don't really want to get high. You want to get on with your daily tasks, be it, I don't know, Uh, running a business or like hoovering or whatever else that might be. So usually uh, it's a kind of, you know, very much a collaborative process with your your, um, consultant to find out what's the best ratio of cannabinoids. Um, There's also terpenes, which I haven't even spoke about, which are basically a class of organic molecules that provide, you know, everyone kind of recognizes the smell of, of cannabis, Right. That's not to do with the cannabinoids. That's actually to do with the terpenes. And terpenes are found in every kind of aromatic plant and flower. You know, lavender, we know we know that lavender, lavender has a kind of relaxing effect. That's largely due to a terpene called linalool, I think it's called. Um, and, you know, there's certain strains of cannabis that are also really uh, abundant in that particular type of terpene. There's another one called limonene, which you can get gathered from the name as that kind of citrusy smell, which can be very kind of elevating. For some people, like a a strain very high in limonene can actually make them feel a little bit anxious. So it's really, you know, it's really important. uh, And it can be a bit of a kind of, you know, gradual process to refine, you know, what is the best strain for... And and also, you know, you've got different kind of ways of of taking cannabis. That was my next
0: question. So I was just really thinking... I'm just really hearing that you know this is medical cannabis is really very different from CBD products that you can buy over the counter because in in simple terms it's the entire cannabis plant that's going to be it, prescribed.
1: Yeah, it can be. Sometimes you might have isolated products. It's also um, the guaranteed. You know that it's um, they're standardized. You know the, the the way in which they're grown. Um, you know it's it's. Is the dosing different? Not really, you know. It, it depends. It, it's it's you've got more options. So, um, you know, if you're, for example, if you've got chronic pain, uh, in order to manage the pain, you you might well need to have quite a high dose of just CBD that you're buying in Holland and Barrett. Whereas, if you've got um, a prescription, or you know, a lot of people go to the illicit market, you know, or grow their own, but you might have a strain that has um, one to one ratio between thc and cbd or or you know just more than the legal, legal allowable amount if you were you know if you if you weren't going through the prescription route and so that just means that you don't have to take as much cbd because the thc is working in a different way and is actually helping manage the pain in a different way so it's not really necessarily about about the dosing it's it's just there's more options there's more options Potentially, you know, as I say, it's standardized um I think all the products have to you know they're kind of you know, there's more regulated that's really, really important. The fact that it's regulated um you know there should be less risk that you know you're consuming anything with heavy metals or or mold or anything like that so um so yeah, I just think you know, and it's not even at the beginning, it was really really expensive that was like very prohibitive um and actually particularly for patients, as they, you know, there are 1.4 million people who are basically medicating through the black market at the moment um, in the UK, which is a huge amount. Um, you know, I, and there a point where that was a lot, you know, people, oh, it's just too expensive to go the, the clinic route. Now it's more or less comparable. And I just think if you can be the, under the care of a doctor, it's much better. Although having said that, Judith, it's, it's interesting because there are a lot of, you know, bearing in mind this kind of this movement is um patient led you know so um and there's to say i don't know what proportion of the 1.4 million have now moved into the, the the sort of the legal market or the legal access route but they are patient experts you know these are people who've been maybe growing their own or like and they really really understand the different strains and and how it affects their body, etc. Often much more than the consultants do. So quite often in those cases, they are the ones that are educating the consultants, and that's you know, I think actually uh, uh, maybe it's unique to this this sort of sector that often they're they're quite humble the consultant because they don't you know they've received training, but they're literally they've they're, they're they're babies in this you know they're they're coming into this completely fresh. And I would add as well, and this is something I don't know if there are health professionals listening to this, but the, the, the narrative that I've heard time and time again um, is just one that they are absolutely delighted that they've got an extra tool that they can offer patients, you know, particularly patients yeah, with chronic pain when they've literally, literally tried everything, you know, and what happens is, you know, we sort of touched on polypharmacy before, is that they can start to reduce their other meds. You know, I've heard time and time again, Back just this morning, I was talking to to a woman with um, Ellis Danlos syndrome, who has pretty much come off all her other meds now. You know, she was on opiates, and, and she had to. I mean, she was on like um, gabapentin, so messed with her head. She she had a kind of quite a you know sort of. I think it was a travel agent's business that it like made her so fuzzy headed. She had to stop her business because she was making terrible mistakes. You know, and so she's come off all that now. So it's like it's it's a real um eye opener and it and for for these consultants who are working in this you know in this sector and it's like they are delighted and and relieved delighted. i
0: imagine relieved i imagine that there's a, there is actually something that can help a section of patients yeah. that have been really unreachable yeah. and, and and can be quite despairing um as uh, as a as a doctor working with patients that you just don't have an answer or yep. other choice available mm. i think that when when a doctor feels helpless like that it can be it can be really difficult for both
1: sides so like you know so my entry to this world was through palliative care basically so um it was through a, a close friend her mum had pancreatic cancer and actually morphine didn't agree with her and actually for some reason it, it wasn't controlling the pain and she was just like a zombie and it was awful and she was you know she she was dying um but I'm I, I really believe that whenever possible we should have a good death you know die with dignity I think that is possible um and um and so she had a kind of forward-thinking doctor this is in belgium so it still wasn't even properly legal but anyway so the last six weeks of her life she was she was taking cannabis oil and for her it it managed her pain she was completely lucid until the moment she died she had because you know another thing with, with thc it stimulates appetite um it just you know allowed her to enjoy her last few weeks and her family to enjoy their last weeks with her and so for me that was like a moment of like holy shit you know this is insane that this even if it's just in palliative care this isn't more you know available and i've seen my own mum when she she was dying that um you know morphine didn't agree with her either and like every time it was literally like taking a hammer you know just with oromorph and i would you know those precious last weeks were they're just there's all i had left and if she was like out like a zombie it was like okay she's not in pain but she's also not here you know so I think for me, and I, and it's something that's not really spoken about that much, but like palliative care, it's that, that should be an area where there's, there's more movement in the sector. Um, Maybe it's because in palliative, you know, when you're dying, you have less of a voice, you know, it's um, but it's something I feel incredibly strongly about um, that. Yeah. That's an area where it's, it's just, for Again, if, you know, if you're a, a, a consultant in palliative care, it, it's, it, it, would, it would be a gift because, you know, if you're like giving your patients, you know, as you know, like Oromorph, um, they also get nauseous, my mum did at least, and then they also get constipated and, you know, and it's like, and they also are an- anxious and agitated at different times. And, and you're having to give like a zillion different meds, <laughs> it's like all kind of interacting with each other Whereas, you know, they could just have a cannabis oil and and help with pain, give them some appetite, help them sleep, take the edge off. You know, it's like
0: (laughs) it's certainly worth exploring because actually, you know, this this week I saw um, two patients um, with really severe back pain, really severe back pain and as 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 you mentioned, struggling on strong painkillers, um, on gabapentin, on paracetamol, on non-steroidals, on um, codeine, want to try tramadol. But the side effects of these opiates are significant. And we're talking about yeah, nausea, constipation feeling fuzzy headed these are medications that a lot of patients don't like and don't tolerate well and yet there are just not other options to offer Mm. but the other options we have like neuropathic agents and these for the non-medical listeners among us like are strong painkillers that are specifically targeting um, our nerves all carry very similar side effects to greater or lesser degrees. So it can be really difficult to find an analgesic, a painkiller with a less uh, aggressive or uh, side effect profile. Mm -hmm. We we as doctors, I, I find myself, very limited as to what mm. is possible now obviously from an A perspective medical cannabis is not going to be one of the tools that I have um, available to me but it is really good to know that this is an an option that um, may potentially help somebody with intractable pain um, mm. and somebody who is looking for um, a, a painkiller with a with a potentially easier side effect profile.
1: And also, you know, with chronic pain, um, quite often, as a kind of, you know, an addition, a patient might also have sleeping problems and depression because it's not, it's certainly not a hoot being in pain for years and years and years. And so again, it's something that rather than having to prescribe a whole bunch of medication, just one one basically can can be helpful and cover all those bases. And um, isn't it
0: incredible? Isn't it incredible that when you are delivering a medicine in its whole natural plant form, it has this constellation of yeah. elements that actually work together in synergy to counteract the side effect profiles that it actually interesting. when we are working in a reductionist pharmaceutical um basis and just are trying to pull out one of these active ingredients, mm. you're losing the effect of but, taking it in its entirety. Well, do you, you
1: know what actually, this has a this has a word this has a phrase in in the cannabis, which I think is being kind of you know expanded to to well. I mean, you can use it for anything really, from like oranges to whatever. It's it's the entourage effect. The entourage effect. The entourage, the entourage effect. effect. Yeah. Love so that. um. So in the kind of in the cannabis context it's like okay you've got your kind of stars of the of the show be it you know your kind of thc or, or cbd and then you have all the kind of you know the 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 bit players or the, the the rest of the cast were there kind of you know supporting supporting role basically and without them you haven't got a performance but what's interesting with cbd and thc so for example you know i used to um in my 20s i used to smoke hash basically i lived in spain and and there was quite a lot of moroccan hash around and it was really nice i was like you know kind of the nice what you imagine is a nice effect of having a joint um And like now, I'm not really a weed smoker because if you go to the black market, it's mostly like really high THC um, and I just don't tolerate it. You know, all the kind of makes you feel a bit, you know, not, yeah, just a bit more anxious really, which is not the desired effect. But what's interesting is though, you know, these strains are higher in THC and there's barely anything of CBD. And what CBD does is actually, um, it kind of like balances out that intoxicating effect uh, and so actually therapeutically for when, when um, doctors are prescribing it, it kind of like gives a, a bigger um, therapeutic window. So if you, if your patient actually of this is the case in patients who do use it to treat cancer, which is a whole other area um, in order to be able to kind of tolerate the high doses of THC, the CBD well, has a therapeutic effect, but it also just opens up that therapeutic window. So it's not so overwhelming.
0: That's yeah. That's really interesting. Um, what I would love to yeah, what well, I'd love to come back to actually is this talk about um, is this talk about how patients can consume cannabis, because I'm I'm hearing that you know you obviously we all know about smoking it recreationally, um, and you've mentioned the use of cannabis oil.
1: So um, so actually, the two main, main um, routes of administration are uh, vaping. So, um, so actually it's, it's really interesting and somewhat problematic because from the eyes of the police, if you see like some cannabis flowers, how do you differentiate between prescription and, you know, what you bought from the illicit market, but essentially, you know, uh, patients, um, if they're, if they're vaping as part of their prescription, they will get a tub of flowers. Um, and, and they have, um, there's some really kind of advanced vaporizers that you can measure out doses and etc. cetera. You also, depending on the temperature, um, at which you're vaping the flower, you can actually have more, um, um kind of effect from the THC, or I think I can, if you have to like, increase the temperature or lower the temperature, then you're, it's kind of, you know, better for CBD. Um, so this is, um, particularly for patients with, um, breakthrough pain. So, um, so if, if, you know, it's not all about chronic pain, but just to give, you know, to kind of give a good example, uh, often pain patients will have, um, an oil which is kind of giving them their baseline cover though so, you know depending you know what, what kind of ratio that is it, it might be um you know kind of CBD oil with a little bit of thc or it might be one that's more thc it really depends and then you know sometimes still they will get the breakthrough pain particularly i think with neuropathic pain you know and, and so then that's when they'll have the vaporizer it's, it's more quick acting uh and that will just like you know because with, with the oil it takes I don't know, it could be half an hour to an hour for it to take effect. So it's similar to, you know, how it looks to what you might, um, you know, buy your kind of standard CBD or if it's full spectrum, it's going to be a lot darker, you know. So when you, if you go in and get your CBD, you know, over the counter, what have you, and it's just like clear then you you can pretty much guarantee that's the kind of just what they call the CBD isolate, which I'm not such a fan of, but as I say, that's just me. Well, it's not just me, actually. It's lots of people who aren't such fans, but if it's a full spectrum, it's going to be darker normally. It's, you know, cause they've just, you know, they haven't like removed all the other and distilled it and all the rest of it. So yeah, that's, but you know, there's, there's quite a lot of research going on, you know, that probably for patients, you know, who are new to this, are used to having their white tablet that's, you know, like a paracetamol, and you and you know, it's there will be um capsules, or there probably I think there maybe are some capsules, but there'll be definitely, you know, there's certainly um research going on into other other delivery mechanisms, um, which I think is which is good really. Um but you know, for these children, the children with epilepsy, they're having their little little drops of oil under the tongue. That's what they have. Yeah.
0: That's so that's so accessible. It's so accessible.
1: It is accessible, but it's very different to what we're used to.
0: Yes. Very and that, different. And that will carry an effect as we um as we know about placebo mm. and placebo effects. that it, you know how a medicine is is given and delivered to us, and yeah. we're expecting then from that plays a big role. So yeah. it may be a while before our brains catch up, um, catch up with it, but it's um especially for the for, for children, knowing it's available in such an accessible form is, is a comfort. And I know that, um, you are organizing a conference on the 4th of November. Um, so. Can you um, tell us, Mary, what, yeah. is con- uh, what is this conference about? I know it's already sold out, but there yeah. are online tickets. So what can people yeah. who want to come along to this conference expect?
1: So it's, it's not, I'm not, I'm I'm like kind of hosting a, a couple of panels. So it's, it's organized by drug science. Um, some of you might've heard of Professor David Nutt, who was the kind of the drug czar, I think under Gordon Brown, and is very well known in the kind of psychedelic space. Um, has you know been involved with lots of research in the UK, and it's very much about let's just listen to the science when it comes to when it comes to you know drug legislation basically. So um, drug science has a project called uh, Project Twenty Twenty One, which is an ongoing um, data gathering exercise that patients can sign up to. Uh, it's a way with if they're with a clinic that's signed up to it as well, they can um, have. Uh, Reduce price consultations and medicine, so actually it you know costs them less, and actually then you know the the data that comes from their treatment then goes towards a kind of you know a study and um, kind of real world evidence and that kind of stuff. So, drug ed- um, drug science are co-organising this conference with Medcam, which is um, an organisation which is there advocating and supporting, particularly the, um, these children with epilepsy, and supporting the parents, not just epilepsy, but just general paediatric conditions. Um, so, they are kind of co-organisers, and it's it's a it's a day that's aimed at patients and parents of patients, because in this kind of weird sector that is the cannabis industry, um, there's a lot of kind of B2B events where, you know, you've got all men in suits, investors, you know, talking a load of old crap, if you ask me, but um, back slapping. And and like the patients are just as complete second thought, if even second thought somewhere much further down the line. Um, and so, it you know, patients just frankly, you know, and uh, haven't been listened to enough, and um, you know, without the patients, there's there's no cannabis industry. Um, so so yeah, so it's it's an event that's really there to kind of um for patients to to have their their chance their moment really to have discussions it's also you know there for patients who or prospective patients you know who are kind of cannabis curious or interested in you know how to get a prescription what is the process um we're going to have some interesting discussions you know talking about you know the difference between what's now called the legacy market which is the kind of the illicit market and you know the difference between that and going the prescription route um i'm hosting a, a a panel that's um kind of from the clinician's perspective and also one about the the patient's lived experience um but yeah i mean it's it's something that if somebody you know has an interest um, and wants to find out more there are infinite uh online <laughs> tickets available and it's completely free, free of charge. So um Oh wonderful. Yeah.
0: And how people how can people find out about um, purchasing a ticket for this conference? Uh
1: well it's free, so no need to, to splash any cash. Um so I'll, I, I mean, I'll, I can give you the, the, you know, can put it on your show notes the, the link to it's an Eventbrite um thing, and you just like sign up through that, and, and, and that's it really. Yeah, I mean, usually with these things, as a way also, if you can't listen on the day, I say this, but I imagine you'd be able to watch it back as well. So, wrong, yeah, we
0: hope that there's the a replay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> great. Yeah. I think I'll be, I think I would definitely be interested in in catching a few of these talks on the replay. I think I'm I'm away yeah. from a conference on the day, but this sounds really fascinating. And it's
1: also to be honest, there's an organization, you know, there are clinicians listening to this. Um you know, there's um, the Cannabis Clinician Society. So um, there's also for GPs, there's the Primary Care Cannabis Network or something. I can give all these links, you know, that so just to kind of, you know, there's are educational, just to, kind of, you know, if you want to get involved or you want to get trained, you know, because you do need to get trained. Um, these are all organizations, you know, they're nurses, like at these clinics, there are, you know, nurses who are really key part of the team. Um, you know, it's 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 for for health professionals and it's what's kind of really gratifying is that for the you know the kind of newly qualified graduates uh and young doctors, they're the ones who are really interested in this, you know. So um yeah and what we're hoping now is because the big stumbling block for you know the prescriptions through the NHS is that the the clinical trials basically. Um, so what we're hoping is, you know, they will start accepting real world evidence because there are these, you know, databases of amazing, you know, yeah, cases and, and now in the thousands that can prove that it's safe and that it's effective for certain conditions enough, you know, to start considering prescribing it with the NHS, I would say.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing such a wealth of information um, about this field, a field that... I think has been so up underrepresented and I feel like I'm coming away with a lot more grounded uh, knowledge and curiosity after this conversation. No, I really thank you for no, that.
1: No, my pleasure. It, it's kind of complicated, but I just think it's, um, I think it's, it's the potential to empower people. That's the thing. It's like, you know, and I think that's when, I think medicine can be disempowering, you know, it's like, it really can. And, and you know, I know that's something that you feel very strongly about, but shouldn't we be, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but like, shouldn't that's what it be. You know, people should feel empowered and get better for God's sake.
0: You know? Absolutely. <laughs> like, and that, and and with another tool in our tool, tool belt, doctors and patients alike can actually feel empowered and feel that yeah. actually there are empowering solutions that we can yeah. offer to our patients. So this is a wonderful addition yeah. in that area um, of medicine and not just in the chronic patients, Pain, but all the conditions that you've mentioned before mm. um anxiety ibs um menopause these are conditions that um are historically difficult to treat um yeah. the, the current pharmaceutical approaches so i really i really welcome any addition to the um evidence base on um new treatments um and it sounds like this is really making a resurgence and i'm very grateful for the evidence that's being produced people like you who are educating us on on it in very um accessible language so I, I i would really encourage you to go and check out um mary's website mary what's your website it's
1: just my name it's mary m-a-r-y biles b-i-l-e-s dot com um there's information about the book the cbd book on there also the podcast cannabis voices um yeah and, if, and a few articles. And, and one
0: and, and a lot of articles, which really breaks down the, the evidence and the science behind mm. um, how the endo kind of, um, kind of system works. So I, really appreciate, um, I re- really appreciate your dedication to this work.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad it's, it's of help.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, Body, Mind, Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.